0: Good morning everybody. Am I, can you hear me? Yeah, okay. A bit louder. Um, I wanted to talk to you this morning about a chap called Cyrus. He was a king in uh, Babylon. And um, I'm going to read a bit about him from Ezra. So this is Ezra 1, verse 1. So he was called the Great King Cyrus. And he had a very, very big kingdom. So this is from Ezra, of chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that is, the first year he ruled Babylon, in order to fulfil the word of of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet, the Lord stirred up, put in motion, the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Whoever there is among you, of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judea, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is God who is in Jerusalem. In any place where a survivor, Jewish exile, may live, Let the men Gentiles of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with freewill offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem." So this was uh, taking place at the end of the Jewish exile in Babylon, which, my Bible says, is 539 B.C. And you remember, they were taken away from Judah by Nebuchadnezzar uh, because they'd turned their back on God, and so he said, I need to deal with you. And they took him to Babylon. And in Babylon, you know the story of Daniel was in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And uh, this was the end of it. And um, Jeremiah the prophet had said that they are going to be there for 70 years. So they had to stay a long time in, in there. But God didn't want to stay there; them to stay there. He wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem. So he set this man, the king of Persia, It must have really touched him for him to do this, in his first year of his reign, the thing he wanted to do. And he acknowledged God, and he said he wants to build his house back in Jerusalem. Um, But a hundred years before that, this is what Isaiah had said. So This is Isaiah 44. So, Isaiah 44, verse 28. It is I who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd ruler, he will carry out all that I desire, saying of Jerusalem, she shall again be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall again be laid. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, king of Persia, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him, and I will ungird the loins of kings, disarming them, to open doors before him so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and level mountains. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, the hoarded treasure, and the hidden riches of secret places, so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you Cyrus the Great by your name. For the sake of my Jacob, my servant, and of Israel, my chosen, I have called you by your name. I have given you an honourable name, though you have not known me. I am the Lord and there is no one else. There is no god except me. I'll embrace and arm you through that, though you have not known me. That people may know that, from the rising to the setting of the sun, the world over, that there is no one except me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing peace and creating disaster. I am the Lord who does all things. So, this says it's about a hundred years before this happened. So it's before they went into exile. Before Cyrus was born, Isaiah, another great prophet, had foretold this was going to happen. So they had Isaiah telling them what was going to happen. They had Jeremiah telling them what was going to happen. And they still didn't change, and they still ended up having to go there. So they were in Babylon for 70 years, which uh, Jeremiah told them this. Um, And then he chose to use this... um, a heathen, as far as the Jews was concerned, so to, to sort things out. Yeah, he wasn't going to bring a, a savior from the Jews. He was going to use this heathen king to do it. And not only that, he told them he was going to do it. I'm sure the, they were very pleased to hear that this king was also going to provide them with all the money, all the food, all the transport they needed to get back to Jerusalem, and all the money they needed to rebuild the, to rebuild it all. So while God was angry at them because they turned His back, He'd always had a plan that they would go back and rebuild the temple. God chooses some funny people to do things for him, doesn't he? Have you found that in your life? Have you found it that God has chosen people you don't expect? We all have, haven't we? God chooses to use who he wants. It's not always the person we think is appropriate. But it reminded me of something I read a while back. And this was, this was said by the White House press secretary, Sarah Saunders. God wanted Donald Trump to become president. And I'd imagine it's caused a bit of a stir, but he must have done, otherwise he wouldn't have been president. And it's quite ironic. I was re- reading on a bit more. Um, you know that he's moved the uh, U.S. Embassy in, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The Prime Minister of Israel has likened him to Cyrus, as somebody who's done the work of God for the Israelites. I thought it was a bit ironic that he's a Persian king, Cyrus. So he comes from Iran. And I wouldn't have thought President Trump would have liked to be associated with somebody from Iran, but there we are. He likes to be flattered, so I presume he's ignored that. But there we are. So what does the Bible say about these things? So we go to Romans 13. just one verse, so you don't have to follow it. Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, granted by his permission and sanction. And those which exist have been put in place by God. So it's true, you know, President Bush. Obama, all those are put in place by God. Some people like him, some people don't. Doesn't matter. God does it, he does it what he wants. And he told in in his ayah, he told. The people, why he does it, and it's still true to us today, isn't it? It's for his purpose, his glory. That's why we do it. Um, the queen, the queen was uh, anointed, and she was in her coronation. And uh, I think she takes it really seriously. I understand she treats it very seriously. That she does believe she was anointed for God's purpose, and all her predecessors as well. Um, but there's two, kinds, two sides to every kind, isn't it? There? There's some people we admire and think, yeah, they're, they're suitable for kings and queens. And there's others we don't think are suitable for kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers. But let's read again what God said about Cyrus. It says, That people may know from the rising to the setting of the sun the world over, that there is no one except me. I am the Lord and there is no other, the one forming light and creating darkness. Causing peace and creating disaster. I am the Lord who does all these things. On Wednesday at Bible study, we were talking about some of these things. And we are talking about, well, why does God let all these terrible things happen? It's for His glory. It's for His purpose. He's told us, and He hasn't sort of said, I'm doing all the good things and the devil does all the bad. He says, causing peace and creating disaster. I am the Lord who does all these things. Perhaps we can see now, looking back all these 2,600 years, why God did this for the, the Jews. He wanted to get them back. He wanted them to realise what it was life was like without Him, so that they'd come back to Jerusalem and would keep His commandment. But things that happen in our lives, you don't have that looking back and seeing what God's done from it. But we just have to accept that's what God's plan is. We will understand it perhaps one day, Perhaps he'll show it to us. Perhaps we'll never know. But we just have to trust him about him. Yeah? So if God's doing all these choosing the people, what can we do about it? So shall we read in 1 Timothy 2. So it's 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercession, prayers for others, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all people, for kings and all who are in positions of high authority so that we may live peaceably and quiet quiet life in all goodness, godliness and dignity. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour. So if it's God's will to do all these things, it's best that we line up our thoughts with Him. It doesn't work if we get frustrated by what God's doing. We just have to line our views up with Him and accept it. We must pray into these things even though we don't understand them. And every day when I see the headlines in the papers, I feel very sorry for Theresa May. She's got an impossible job. Whatever she does, she can't please everybody. And every day she must wake up and say to her husband, why am I doing this job? Well, I hope he says to her, well, God appointed you. We don't know why. I hope she knows why, but we don't know why. But likewise, I understand she's a Christian as well. Her father was a vicar and she's a Christian. So I hope she's listening to God and using his wisdom and not the wisdom of hers or uh, other people in Parliament. But one thing I was thinking about, and I'm sure when uh, they said that Donald Trump was appointed by God, it's okay to be appointed by God, but it's more important to be approved by God. If you can have both of those, it's good, but if you only have one, have his approval. This is what we should be seeking for. This is Matthew 3, verse 17. I'll just read one verse. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. Can God say that about us? Yes, He can. Yeah. He said this when Jesus was baptised. So, He hadn't started His ministry. He hadn't done all the miracles. He hadn't been to the cross. God said it before He started. Now, we know that Jesus was a very righteous man, so he, He had lived a blameless life up to then that God had told him, even before you started to work, I'm pleased with you. Great encouragement, isn't it? Probably more for the people around him than than Jesus, because he probably knew it. So I think it's important that we can have offices and we can be managers and we can be pastors. It's all good to have those things. But most importantly, let's have God's approval. So how do we get his approval? Let's read from Thessalonians 1, chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. For our appeal does not come from delusions or impure motives, nor is it motivated by deceit. Our message is complete, accurate, and based on the truth. It does not change. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel that tells the good news of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we speak, not as if we're trying to please people, to gain power and popularity, but to please God who examines our hearts, expecting our best. For as we well know, we never came with words of flattery, nor with pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor would he seek glory and honour from people, neither from you nor anyone else, though as apostles of Christ we have power to assert our authority. So they were approved by God. Entrusted by the, with the gospel, the good, sa- good news of salvation. So that's us as well, we've been entrusted by the gospel. And we're there to please God who examines our hearts. So it, it's all about our hearts. It's not about what we do and what we say, it's about our hearts. And I'm sure that's what God saw in Jesus, it was his heart. His heart was set on what he had to do. And that's why God approved him. There's another verse in Proverbs 18, you don't have to follow it, but this is one for the men. He who finds a true and faithful wife finds a good thing and obtains favour and approval from the Lord. Amen. How about that? So there's something we can do, us men. I'm sorry, it doesn't say anything about ladies, but there we are. But there we are. So I'm approved by God because I've got a faithful and true wife. I didn't have to do anything. I just found, Well, she found me? There we are. So shall we move another one? Hebrews 11 verse 1. You know this one, this is a real good one. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance, title deed confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by physical senses. For by this kind of faith the men of old gained divine approval. And there's another one we'll read: Hebrews 11:39 to 40. Hebrews 11:9, 11, 11:39. 11, and all of these, though they gained divine approval through their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised, because God had us in mind and had something better for us, so that they, these men and women of authentic faith would not be perfect. That is completed in Him apart from us. So it's all about our faith. It's all about our belief in God. That's how we get his approval. And in Romans 8, verse 8... Romans 8, verse 8, And those who are in the flesh, living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses, cannot please God. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by sinful nature, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. So we're not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit, because we've been saved. And here's another one about Enoch, in Hebrews 11, verse 5 to 6. Hebrews 11, 5 to 6. By faith that please God, Enoch was caught up and taken to heaven so that it would not have a glimpse of death, and it was not found because God had taken him. For even before he was taken to heaven he received the testimony, still on record, that he walked with God and pleased with him. But without faith it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists, and that he rules those who earnestly and diligently seek him." So it's not about what we do, it's about what we believe. It's about our faith in God. It's believing that God is good, even though we don't see it. It's believing God loves us, even if we don't feel it. God is good. The Bible tells me we can rely upon that. God loves us. We can rely upon that, even though our feelings and the circumstances. We just got to believe it. Continue to believe it in all these things. He's the God who can heal us, even though. He may not have healed us, He can still heal us. Yeah. So, there's some certain things you can rely on and believe in and God will then say, I approve you. It's not about what we do, it's not about what we say. Jesus, before He started His ministry, before He did anything, God approved Him. When we were saved, God approved Him because we believed in what Jesus had done. we just got to hold on to that and we will always be approved. And finally, there's something else to remember about the government. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and of his peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From that time forward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So we just can be reassured that it's all on Jesus' shoulder. He has to have broad shoulders, doesn't he? So we must always remember that. We don't know what's going to happen, but we just know that God's in it and His plan. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, because He died for us, we can know that... Be assured that he's got a plan for us. Whatever happens, he's got it there. Um, Like every week, it seems to be another big, important decision this week on Brexit. They have one every week and I'm sure it's going to go on for years and years and years. So we've got this to look forward to. But what we should do is just pray about it. Not pray what we want to happen. And I'm pleased to see that David Hathaway has come to the same conclusion. In his recent letter he's saying, well, this is my opinion. And probably know what his opinion is, but he's saying now, doesn't matter about my opinion, it matters what God wants to do. So, can we just pray for this country and our government and our leaders? Whether we like them or not, doesn't matter, God's put them there. So, can we just pray for them now, Lord? We thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, you're in control of our lives, Lord. And you're in control of this world, Lord. Despite what it looks like, Lord Jesus, we know that you've got a plan for our salvation and our eternity. And Lord, even though the people in government don't believe in you, you can still use them, Lord, like you did Cyrus all those years ago. You can interrupt their agenda with your agenda, Lord. You can direct them, Lord, to do what you want to do for this country, Lord. We don't come here with any opinions what we want, Lord. We come here just that your plan will be fulfilled in this country, in our lives, Lord. That like you spoke about, Cesarus, Lord, that you will be seen, your hand will be seen in all these things, Lord Jesus. And people realise, Lord, that you are the only way. Keep us focused on you, Lord, not what's going on. Keep us trusting in you, Lord. Keep us knowing that you love us Lord Jesus and that you care for us and that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. That your judgment is with the old Lord for us in this world. We thank you that Jesus came to die for us Lord Jesus. And that you've now appointed him the leader Lord. You've now appointed him the king and the government is upon his shoulders. We pray for our Prime Minister Lord at this difficult time that you'll give her the the wisdom and the insight to do what you want to do Lord not what others want to do give her the strength to make those decisions Lord to stand for it to speak of you Lord Jesus in this time we ask all this thinking in your wonderful name Amen. Amen so don't forget you've been approved by God you've just got to continue believing it by faith in all these things, yeah? Yeah. By faith. Amen.